Our first reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And our second reading comes from Luke. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, first of all, I have to say thank you. Our family was able to enjoy a sabbatical over the summer, three and a half months away from work, and uh, it was something that was encouraged by the other pastors and staff here at Carmel Lutheran, something encouraged by the lay people, something that was funded by the Eli Lilly Foundation and the Center for Congregational Renewal. And so I say thank you for allowing our family that amazing opportunity. Um, Thanks to all the volunteers around here who did uh, things while I was away, especially Patty Vollmer and Sandy Hodges, who worked on our health fair and our 5K run. We had volunteers that have led uh, exercise groups. Shirley Allstadt has been leading a senior adult exercise group, and Holly Nicholson did a kind of a mom's uh, aerobics class, um, and so they did some amazing work. Also, the staff I, that picked up extra work while I was gone this summer and especially Victor and doing leading services here on Sundays while I was gone, uh, not to mention two weeks of vacation Bible school that we threw his way as well. Um, so thank you to, uh, to all of you. People have asked me, what was the best part of the sabbatical for you? And for me, I answer that really the opportunity that Beth and I had to spend time together as a couple after being married for 23 years and four kids, um, we were really able to experience some special time together and grow in our relationship. So if that had been the only benefit of the sabbatical, it would have all been worth it. But there were lots of other benefits. I was able to travel quite a bit, uh, visit a lot of other Lutheran churches, um, spend some time in God's Word, and, and uh, also to, to, to check out other health and wellness ministries um, around the country and talk to some professionals in, in that area. Um, and then, of course, I was able to enjoy a passion of mine, which is um, doing triathlon races. So I was able to do 10 triathlons and a 5K and a half marathon this summer. So it was a lot of fun, and thank you for that opportunity. The sabbatical was, was focused on health and wellness. That was kind of the, the theme of, of my time away, was to look at how health and wellness relates to our spiritual life and um, kind of that connection to spirituality and, and our physicalness as, as God's creatures. And so uh, I spent time talking to um, people in the church and professionals that, that kind of have this as part of their work. 
And one of my early conversations that kind of helped guide my sabbatical, I got to go to the seminary at St. Louis and spend some time with some of my favorite profs there. And uh, Dr. Gibbs uh, took me into the teacher's lounge at the, at the seminary. It was awesome to spend an hour in the teacher's lounge. Um, and we, we talked about this idea of health and wellness. And I explained to him kind of my thesis that as I am healthier, as I am experiencing wellness in my life, that I can carry out the vocation, the work that God has for me better. I can be a better dad and a better husband. I can be a better pastor and a better neighbor to my neighbors. As I am healthy, I have more energy to do that. And it's kind of focused around the first article of the creed, where we believe God has given uh, us, he's made us and all creation, and he wants us to care for it, to take care of it, including care for ourselves. And Dr. Gibbs said, that sounds great, Max, that's good, but like any good Lutheran teacher, he took me to the catechism. And he took me to Luther's explanation of the first creed. And there in the explanation of the first article of the creed, it says that I believe God has created me in all things, that he sustains me in all things. He provides for everything that I need and cares for all of creation. And then it ends with this phrase that it is therefore my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey. Thank and praise serve and obey. And he said, I think Dr. Martin Luther put it in that order on purpose. It is first our job to thank and praise God before we get to the serving and obeying. And he took me to Psalm 148, where it talks about all of creation gives thanks and praise to God simply by being his creation. It says, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command, they were created and he established them forever. He's issued a decree that will never pass away. So praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures. And all the ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds do his bidding. Mountains, hills, fruit trees, cedars, All of creation is giving praise to God. You see, I was so anxious to get to the serving and obeying that I wasn't first taking time to simply find peace and rest in being God's creation. That conversation kind of helped me set the path for my sabbatical. Another conversation And a course adjustment that I had was early on, uh, we got to go to um, Camp Arcadia and spend a week up there. And one of the deans there uh, that was doing the teaching, uh, Matt Popovitz, Pastor Matt Popovitz, took us on a series entitled Sustainable. And he had us ask the question, is it worth it? Is all the hurry and the hustle and the busyness of our lives, is it worth it in the end? And can it be defended? Is our lifestyle something that we can defend? And ultimately, is it sustainable? Is it something that we can continue to do? Can we keep running hard in life without resting well? He showed us the importance of rest. I think it's something that we can all hear. It's actually one of the first messages in Scripture. When you go to Genesis chapter 2, it says that thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array 
By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. The source of all life and all power rested. Why did God need to rest? Did he need a break? Did he need to get on the Stairmaster and get his, his, uh, his energy up? I don't think so. God is setting a pattern for us to follow. At the very beginning, he tells us the importance and rest. Five minutes after creating, God rests and says, this is a good thing. And he blesses rest. And as followers of our God, as disciples, as we call ourselves here at Cornerstone Lutheran, we want to be more and more like God. We want to be more and more holy to take on the character and attributes of God. And if God rests, then we too should rest. God is showing us in Genesis 2 that our work is good and it's essential, but it's not all there is to life. That point was made clear to me early on in the sabbatical. I was so focused on the work that I was going to get done during the sabbatical and the work that I was going to be able to do after the sabbatical because of what I learned. And I was so focused on the work that I wasn't taking the time to step away from work. Because as I came to find out, I was very much identifying myself with my work. And I think it's, it's an issue for all of us. We start to, to um, find our identity in what we do. And so if you ask somebody, tell me about yourself or who are you or what do you, you know, tell me about your life, we almost always start out with what we do for work. And so if we identify ourselves with our work and then we step away from the work, then who are we? How do we find our identity apart from our work? Another concern for me was that my love language is word, words of affirmation. I like being thanked and, and praised for what I do. And I don't remember ever being given a word of affirmation for resting. It just doesn't happen. Way to rest. That was awesome. Good resting. And so I think we have this fear in our lives of rest. God calls us to rest. It's what's commanded. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's right up there with don't kill and don't steal. God commands rest. Why would God command us to rest? It's almost as if he could look through the lens of time and see our lives today. It's almost as if he could see the busyness of our lives, knowing that we are constantly at work. 40-hour work week doesn't happen too often that you only work for 40 hours. It's almost like he knew we'd, we'd have these devices in our pockets that would keep our work with us all the time so that we're never far away from an email or a text from work. It's almost as if God looked and knew that we would start to identify ourselves and find our value in our work. You see, for many of us, work has replaced what spirituality does. It starts to tell us who we are. It starts to tell us what's important. It starts to define our lives. But God says that doing without resting is not his will for your life. You are not going to be defined by what you do. 
It's not what God wants for us. God has a whole different plan. He gave us a commandment about it. In our gospel reading today, Jesus was questioned about that commandment, about the Sabbath. What did it mean to observe the Sabbath? There had been all these rules and laws that had been built up around this commandment. So much so that the meaning and the purpose of the Sabbath had been lost. And so Jesus is questioned about it often. And, and Jesus says, just because you observe the Sabbath, it doesn't mean that you don't care for those around you. It, it, it's not what you think it is. Actually, ironically, as they search for what the meaning of the Sabbath is, they're standing right before them, before the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers, they're standing right before them is Sabbath himself. Because Jesus says, Sabbath is found, rest is found in me. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is claiming that in him we have rest for our souls. In the work that he was going to do, we no longer have to be defined by our work. Jesus shows that his work for us and his resurrection is where we find our real identity. We have rest from trying to find favor, from trying to observe the law so that we can earn God's blessings. Jesus shows us through his life, his death, and his resurrection that we now have rest in him. That's why the very first Christians moved their observance of Sabbath rest from Saturday, the first day of the week, to Sunday, the last day of the week. Because on that day, on Sunday, is when Jesus rose from the dead. It was a weekly observance, a weekly celebration of the rest that comes in Jesus Christ. It's a rest that we all need as we come together on Sunday, even today, to remember the rest that we have in God. The context of the, of the Ten Commandments, as we go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and we look at this command that, that God gave to them, you know, it's the one that kind of, it's the one commandment that sets up context maybe better than any other. It says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You see, work was what defined the, Egyptian, the uh, Israelites while they were in Egypt. They were slaves. They had to work. And their identity, their, their worth was found in their work. The more bricks you could make, the higher you could stack them, the faster you could move them, the more valuable you were seen. Their identity was 100% in their work, but God says, no, you're not going to be defined by your work anymore. You're going to be defined by who, who has saved you. You're going to be defined by him. So he says, don't forget you were slaves, and I freed you from that. So every week, I want you to have a holiday. Every week, I want you to remember the freedom that you have in me. They were now seen as valuable, not because they could work, but because of who had redeemed them. It's important also to think about the time. At this time uh, in, in 
the uh, history of the earth, if you didn't work, you didn't live. You couldn't just go down to the store and, and buy a loaf of bread and some milk. You had to continually work for your daily, uh, for your daily existence. So God is telling the children of Israel, every week I want you to recognize that I'm in control, that I'm the one that's providing for you. I want you to take a day off. You see, our rest is more than just a healthy habit. But our rest is a profound way to express our faith in God. To demonstrate that what we have comes from Him. It declares to the whole world that we have a God who will take care of us. And it also proclaims to the world, we have a God who has set us free from the burden and obligation to work. God in Jesus Christ sets us free. The Chick-fil-A Corporation is uh, restaurants around the country, and you've probably all been to Chick-fil-A. Have you been to Chick-fil-A on Sunday? Anybody by accident? Yeah, it's a bummer because they're closed. They're closed on Sunday. Now, in the restaurant industry, which is extremely competitive, my family owns restaurants back in Texas. I know it takes a lot of work to stay afloat as a restaurant because it's extremely, extremely competitive. The, the margin of, of profit is very small. You have to work and work just to keep the doors open. Yet the Chick-fil-A Corporation has this crazy business plan that every seventh day they're going to stop. They're not going to work. They're going to let their employees have a day of rest. And what has it gotten them? The Chick-fil-A restaurants sell more food per restaurant than any other restaurant in the country. They are the most successful restaurant per store that there is. They sell three times more food per restaurant than than McDonald's. Can you believe that? And they're only open six out of seven days. The closest competitive, uh, competitor is Jason's Deli, and they still outsell them by 33%. Chick-fil-A is demonstrating the healthy habit of rest and giving a quiet witness to the world. In a world today where it seems like working every day as hard as you can is necessary for survival, God is calling us to trust in him. We need to look at our calendars and say, is it really worth it? There was an interesting Old Testament reading earlier this summer, and it really jumped out at me. It's found in the book of Leviticus, and it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Now, for those of us that don't own farms, this sounds a little irrelevant. Why, why do I need to read this or understand that I don't need to harvest my field all the way to the edges and that I don't need to go through and pick the grapes that have fallen on the ground? But this is exactly what we've done with our lives today. We have left absolutely no room for margin. We have harvested our fields all the way up to the very end so there's nothing left. We've gone over the vineyard and looked for the grapes and and making sure that every single scrap is taken up so that we have nothing left to give. God is calling us to leave room, to leave space as we rest so that we can demonstrate this amazing life revealed, 
that God has given to us, that we have room, that we have margin in our lives to give. We have margin in our lives to, to be good neighbors to those around us and not constantly working. In her book, Five Regrets of the Dying, an Australian nurse named Bronnie Ware was a hospice nurse, and she chronicled for 12 years um, interviews that she had with her patients. And she asked all of them this one simple question, do you have any regrets in life? And over 12 years, she had the top five answers. But of all of the men that she questioned, and, and some of the women, but all of the men answered the same thing. I wish I hadn't have worked so hard. I wish I hadn't missed the comfort of my spouse, and I missed the youth of my children. Now, if this is true, that if we can make this blanket statement for all of us, then in our last five minutes, our greatest regret was answered by God in the very first five minutes after creating, as he tells us to rest. In him we find rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened. I will give you rest. Let us find joy and comfort. Let us give thanks and praise to our God who has created us in all things, but who also sustains us, takes care of us. May we leave margin in our lives that we can share this amazing life revealed that God has given to us. And may we find comfort peace and rest and knowing that our sins are forgiven. The work has been done through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his resurrection, we have rest. Not only now, but for all eternity. In his name, amen.